The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life tips. Life tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Welcome your hosts, Byron White and Amanda Smith. Hey, everybody. We are back this week with Life Tips Radio. Uh, unfortunately, I'm flying solo, which is which is great. Actually, Byron is away on his annual uh, two weeks off to spend time with his son. Uh, they're, I believe they're down at the Cape right now. They're probably body surfing and swimming and having a great time. Um, as Byron says, while well, the cat's away, the mice will play. So <laughs> we've got we've got some great guests lined up while he's away. Uh, we're going to be talking to Mark Magnaca today, the author of So What? how to communicate what really matters to your audience. And I've got a lot of good questions for him. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Mark and find out about the the awesome effort he put into getting into the show today. So when we come back, we'll be talking to Mark. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. It's Mark. If yes, you'll pay me. No if, ands, or maybe. Get paid daily. Make a mad dash. Sign up is a flash. Quickly convert the click into cash. Affiliate marketing network is first place. I cut to the chase. It's all performance based. Listen to what I'm telling you. Cause this is what you better do. Join as a publisher and maximize your revenue. Think we agreed that money is what you need. Indeed, you can get paid from sales and leads. Not one thing lacking. Don't get it cracking. Even from a split state of the art. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it. So that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high-converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit ConversionCritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.ConversionCritic.com. Please hold while we connect you to one of the most sought-after experts in SEO, analytics, and web development. Office Hours with Vanessa Fox, Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. 
And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Hey, everybody. We're back with Life Tips Radio, and we're joined by Mark Magnaka, who had a little adventure just getting to the show today. Hey, Mark, are you with us? I am, Amanda. Hello. Hi. Now, tell me what happened. Well, I, uh, I realized that uh, you wanted me to do this from a landline, and so I was on my way, actually, to uh, an event in Boston and decided that I better find a place that I can make a a call from a landline, so I pulled over at a beautiful Hilton Garden Inn off of Route 3, and it uh, turns out they don't have any payphones anymore. And uh, the lovely woman at the front desk said, well, we just don't have payphones, so if you have a room, you could make this call. But the manager <laughs> was terrific, and she said, no, I'll tell you what, come on back. So I'm actually sitting in one of the salespeople's desks <laughs> here at the Hilton Garden Inn, and I'm talking to you on a landline. And you're going to be talking to us today about better sales. They're going to make you sit there and call and, and make some sales today while you're there to earn your earn your payphone rights, right? I may. I may have to do that. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you making the extra effort to get on the show today. We're glad to have you. So tell me a little bit more about So What, how to communicate what really matters to your audience, and, and give me a little bit of background on yourself. Sure. Well, basically, so what's about the idea that the people you're trying to communicate with to sell to or to convince, they don't really care about you or what you're offering until they understand exactly how it's going to benefit them. Mm-hmm. And the origin of the idea was a mentor of mine by the name of Jeff Goldberg, who worked at EMC as a national sales manager, and he called me in before I was about to give a, a keynote presentation about a week before the presentation was to happen, he said, I want you to come into my office and just go through this presentation for me. So I went through the presentation. At the end, Amanda looked at me and he said, uh, very deadpan, so what? Why do I care about what you're saying? Mm-hmm. And as scary as it sounds, I honestly had never really thought about my communication from the standpoint of what was important to my audience. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people in sales who get passionate about their product, I was thinking about myself, my product, my presentation, what worked for me, but not necessarily thinking at all about what my client did, what their challenges were, and specifically what mattered to them for this presentation. Mm-hmm. So now on the, on the most basic level, this is going to be the idea of selling to, not selling at someone, Right. That's really it. You know, I was listening during the break, uh, and, and it's very interesting. A couple of things, just as an aside here. So your tagline is making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Yep. That, that's, that's an example of a tagline that, from my perspective, passes what we call the so what test. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of your listeners are people who have a background as webmasters or certainly well-versed in the world of uh, the Internet. But what I wonder is how many of them, fall into when they're talking to business owners like me who are very interested in the internet but I'm by no means I have none of the expertise of a webmaster and I was listening to um, just some of the words we'll help you with your kit conversion and your PPC budget plus we can help with FPO and web analytics on the SEO channel all that sounds probably uh, very comfortable for you or for many of your listeners But a big part of what I want to remind them to do is to avoid the mistake I made, which is to start talking about what matters to you because it's your interest and your passion rather than remembering to translate it in such a way that your client can understand and appreciate. Mm -hmm. 
who, that makes sense? who do you mainly deal with with regard to uh, improving communication? Do you deal with salespeople? Are you deal, you know what what level are you are you training? My work uh, focuses primarily with salespeople in financial services and in high tech. But since this book, So What, has come out. I've begun to realize that the basic premises that I talk about are really applicable well beyond those two areas. I've done a lot of, of presentation coaching with CEOs, and they immediately respond to the idea. They get it, and then the question is, how do you use what I call the so what filter to actually figure out what's relevant to your audience? Mm-hmm. Now, you know what I love about your book? Actually, I was going through your book. Um, I only just got it a day or so ago, but so I haven't had time to actually sit down and read through as thoroughly as I want to. But I, I realize that you have a lot of great stories in here that that make it an easy-to-read book. It, you, you put some applicable stories in here on, on how to apply this new knowledge. Do you want to tell, tell me one of the better stories that you have from that? Sure. You know, I've got a lot of them. Um, I think ones that would be of most interest to your listeners um, would be, uh, as an example, back in 1964, AT&T introduced its breakthrough technology, which was called Picture Phone. Picture Phone was going to revolutionize the world of telephony because this was literally a, uh, a telephone that also had a camera attached to it. So what we think of today as Skype or iChat, uh, this was back in 1964, and it was $180 a minute in 2009 dollars. Wow. And what happened is it was an epic failure for AT&T. They rolled it out in 64, and by 1973, what they realized is this product lacked what I call the so what benefit. And the so what benefit, Amanda, is simply the fact that for most people and for most phone calls, it's not critical, nor is it worth paying a premium to see the person while you're talking to them. Right. Now, if you contrast that with the introduction of another product where, again, in tech speak, it was a a portable 60-gigabyte hard drive, and then you understand Steve Jobs' marketing genius by saying, no, no one cares about that. They care about 1,000 songs in their pocket. Well, immediately, people understood what 1,000 songs in your pocket meant. And, and what it meant was something different than a Walkman, and what it meant was something different than a portable CD. It was a whole new way of thinking about portable music. Interesting. So what are some of the clients that you've helped improve their communication skills? You know, is there anyone that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, I've actually worked with uh, literally 10,000 people at EMC Corporation alone. Uh, this presentation that I mentioned to you that my mentor helped redefine and, and uh, recreate based on this new way of thinking um, is a program that every new hire who has been at EMC since 1998 has gone through. And uh, I'm very proud of the fact that the, the very same presentation with slight modifications to keep it relevant as times have changed still is applicable, and it's one of the longest-running corporate presentations of its kind. Interesting. So, so now I'm I'm looking through your your book and I'm trying to determine who who did you write this book for? Did you write for people who've already been in the in the workplace who are looking to take their sales to the next level, or are you looking to to speak to the people who are just getting into sales and who are looking for a brand new approach? Well, you know what I've come to understand, Amanda, is this: that you know you can if you take a survey of people, the vast majority of people will tell you I'm not in sales. 
But what I want to remind every technical person listening right now is, you know, for those of you who aren't actually business owners or not directly in sales, the fact of the matter is we're all selling something. Most of us are selling our most important asset, and that's ourselves. If you're looking for a job right now, you are absolutely selling something. If you have a project that you're trying to get funding for, you are selling something. If you're a parent trying to convince your children to go one way versus another in terms of a particular decision, you're selling. So what I've come to understand is I did initially think it was going to be focused on salespeople and entrepreneurs, but what I've begun to realize as I've had the opportunity to talk with people all over the country is that it turns out the message plays to a much wider audience. So now, have you have you had any really ch- serious challenges that you've that you've encountered? People who just really don't want to give up their bad habits, and you know, what are what are some of the worst habits that you've seen along the road? Ah, that's a very good question. Well, let me let me turn it around and ask you: um, mm-hmm. Have you ever had a guest on your show who knows nothing about you? They know nothing about the format of your show, and they know nothing about your listeners. Yes. Have you ever had that happen? I I, want to say that Life Tips is the best radio show ever, but occasionally, once in a while, we may hit a little speed bump here and there. Well, and notice, if you think about it, I'm asking about a guest who comes on your show, but, but who, in effect, hasn't done any homework. And so they don't know how to tailor their message for you or for their for your audience. Sure, sure. We 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 definitely have, have come across people who, you know, maybe a last minute uh, fill in for a guest who had to, uh, you know, back out at the last minute, may not have had as much time to prep for the show and may not quite know the audience as well. Sure. Well, what I would tell you is the number one bad habit and I was as guilty of it as anybody, Amanda, is simply the idea that we're good enough that we can wing it. Mm-hmm. And I have a whole chapter on what I call winging it versus orchestration. Mm-hmm. You know, there was okay. a, an interview on 60 Minutes with Tom Brady, and Steve Croft was interviewing him, and he, he says to Tom Brady, they're sitting in the video booth, and Brady's reviewing videos from different Patriots games. And uh, Brady, uh, Croft says to him, so it looks like you, do a, you spend a lot of time here preparing. And Brady looks at him, he says, absolutely. He says, look, it's not like you just go out there and wing it. He says, if you do that, you're going to end up getting hit, you're going to end up getting knocked down, and you're going to end up losing games. And what I can tell you is that the, the rub is that too often we get in the habit of trying to wing it, and we get away with it. But what I found is you're never great if you're just winging it. Interesting. So let's see. I'm just reading through. Uh, God, you have so many awesome stories in here. And, you know, your, your book is great because it doesn't just – it's not just preaching, you know, one, one idea after another. I like that you, you put everything in story format, so I can sort of see examples of what you're trying to portray along the way. And also, great size book. It's really, you know, small and easy to throw in for some, some easy summer reading, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that was, that was the idea, Amanda, you know, to keep it light, keep it uh, easy so that you could, it really a one airplane ride read. Some people have told me it's been literally an hour and five minutes. I'd say on, on average about an hour and a half to read the whole thing. But uh, the, the interesting thing, going back to your target audience, is when you think about the one word that probably has more to do with the success of Google than just about anything else, because you may remember that you know, in the early days of the Internet, Alta, Vest, Alta Vista was the dominant force. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it that's caused Google to be able to dominate on so many different levels? 
And the word I would submit is the word relevance, that people started using it as a search engine because it delivered the most relevant search results. And, and in a sense, what So What is all about is relevance. It's about the same idea that, that in the same way you enter a search query to be able to derive certain results, the questions that you ask before a presentation, whether it's a, an interview or a conversation or talking to somebody that you're trying to influence, the questions you ask yourself will often generate the same kind of results, either good results or bad results in terms of helping you accomplish your goal. Now, you know what, Mark? I'm going to take a step back here, and I'm going to ask you a so what question, okay? Great. How, how did you find your way into sales? I'm, I'm listening to your spiel. It makes sense. Everything sounds awesome. But what's your background in this, and, and why would I look to you as an authority in sales? What really got you into this, and what got you involved? Well, my background uh, actually is as a financial advisor. For, uh, for 10 years, I was a financial advisor helping clients to grow their income and grow their wealth. And one of the things that I discovered, in spite of the fact that I was relatively young chronologically when I first started, was that there were people who were far smarter than me on the IQ scale who didn't seem to be able to connect nearly as well as I did and what I found is that they very often were talking to clients in such a way using jargon and vernacular that the clients ended up feeling stupid and didn't want to ask what they meant when they talked about the alpha and the beta on their portfolio and the standard deviation and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And what I did was simply took that information and was able to translate it in such a way that people nodded their head and said, I get it. So I was able to produce some pretty significant sales results in the investment business, and I sold my business in 1998 to focus full-time on building a sales training and communication consulting company. I I really, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm like reading your book along with you. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Amanda, I... uh, you know, I, I think let, let me give you another example. I, I know that in terms of life tips, uh, social media is one of the one of the issues. Uh, the the green movement itself is another focus area. Let me turn mm-hmm. it around for a second and ask you: What do you think is the reason that the green movement has started to catch on in a much bigger way than it ever did? In, for example, in the 1970s, which is when, by any accounts, is when it really started. Why do you think it started to, to take off now in a way that's different than when it first came out? Um, you know what? I'm going to give you an answer. I'm sure it's the wrong answer, but I want to say fear has been a big motivator in regard to, with regard to the, uh, the green movement. I think it's, it, the, the fear of the reality of, of climate change is, has become more of a reality for people than it was in the 70s. But what's well, your answer? Do you think like the pictures of the of the panda on the iceberg, or not the panda? Pardon me, the uh, the polar bear on the iceberg, you know, floating on one little piece of ice, right? And yep. and sort of the undeniable aspect that something's happening with certain aspects of the world has caused people to have a shift in their focus, right? Mm-hmm. And what I would say, Amanda, is that part of that is actually changing the questions that you ask yourself. And so the, the whole idea of, of the so what mindset is how do you start to ask yourself a question continuously so that it becomes part of your thinking? Because what I found is that 
the only real way to change the way you think is to change the questions that you ask yourself. Mm-hmm. So just to give you an example, um, are you from New England originally, Amanda? No. I'm from New Have Jersey. Ever, where are you from originally? <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? Where are you from originally? In Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl in, through and through. Through and through. Okay. Well, uh, they had this down in Jersey, too. Have you ever heard of a soda called Moxie? No, I haven't. Well, it's not surprising. Most people even here haven't heard of it. Um, although in 1920, Moxie was the number one soft drink in the world. It really? was uh, in the United States primarily mm-hmm. because it wasn't a big industry around the world at that point. But there was a Moxie man. There was the Moxie mobile. There was Moxie billboards. Uh, in fact, the word Moxie, like, hey, that guy's got Moxie, as in like mm-hmm. spirit and verve. It came from this drink called Moxie, which it had kind of a bitter taste to it. And the reason I tell you the story is that Moxie started 10 years before Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And uh, right when the Depression started, Moxie and Coke decided to take two different tacks. Moxie decided that the way they would handle this economic downturn was to, to cut all advertising, cut all promotion, and cut all sales force, and just try to service their existing customers. Meanwhile, Coca-Cola recognized that even in the economic downturn of the Depression, people were still going to the movies and people were still buying Cokes. So they actually began to ramp up their marketing and their promotion, and they continued to remind people throughout the Depression to continue to drink Coke. Mm -hmm. And by the end of World War II, Coca-Cola had become the number one soft drink, not only in the U.S., but in the world, and one of their bottlers bought Moxie. Mm -hmm. So I tell you that as a, a concept that I talk about in the book called the So What Reminder. Mm-hmm. And the So What Reminder is simply the need to continue to remind even your best customers or clients why you are still relevant, even as times change. So, okay, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring this all back around to this giant concept of, of the So What idea. So that is one of the many ideals that you're talking about with regard to so what is reminding your reminding your clients why you're why you're important and and your relevance along the way what are some of the other major important factors in the so what ideal well one of the other ones uh comes from the movie star wars and uh i don't know if you knew this but when george lucas first came out with star wars in 1977 he had to petition the directors guild and the screen actors guild to do something that was considered absolutely radical at the time. And he petitioned them to allow him to not begin the movie with the credits. And up until that time, virtually every movie, because of union rules, required that the movie begins with the credits of the director and certain key figures on the production staff as the movie started. Well, George Lucas realized, wait a minute, this isn't going to help me create the willing suspension of disbelief. I want this dramatic opening. I don't want my name and other people's names flashing across the screen when the movie starts. So George Lucas had this so what mindset. He was asking himself the question, what about them, not what about me? And he was so successful with it that he decided that he wanted to do it again uh, when The Empire Strikes Back comes out, came out. <clears throat> And interestingly, Amanda, they denied him. He had had the most successful movie of all time. He went back and asked for permission the second time, and they said, now that we let you do it, so many other people have wanted to do this, we're not going to let you do it. 
And George Lucas said, really? I'm quitting your guild, directors. I'm quitting the Screen Actors Guild, and I will pay the $250,000 fine that you're charging me, and I want nothing to do with you in the future. And he, to this day, is not a member. Really? Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I had no idea. So it's just kind of an interesting <laughs> example of how when you have this way of thinking, it causes you... Just imagine the movie Star Wars, if it had opened up and in that opening scene with the spaceship coming in from stage right on the right-hand side of the screen, and then uh, director George Lucas. Right. Director totally Cass. would have killed the whole, the whole concept. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, I, I will tell you, I make, the, I make the counterpoint that the James Bond movies, which is the second most profitable film franchise... They actually do start with the credits, mm-hmm. but what's interesting is they tie the credits in in a way that's relevant to the opening. If you remember the famous gunshot, and then the red mm-hmm. comes down, and they've got the beautiful girls. Yep. So, so they make it interesting, and it's part of the setup for the movie. Mm-hmm. So it, this isn't to say that so what means you have to start like George Lucas, but rather you just have to ask the question, what's in it for them? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do want to ask you, I was looking through some of the stories in here, and I encountered a term that I have never heard of before. What is psychic real estate? Ah, psychic real estate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> psychic real estate, it's not like the psychic hotline. Um, mm-hmm. It is actually the words, the feelings, and the pictures that people associate to a product or service. So, for example, when I say to you, um, the name of a car company. If I say to you, Amanda, Volvo, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Safety. Safety, okay. So Volvo owns the psychic real estate for safety. Now, what's interesting is that doesn't mean that Volvo was actually necessarily the safest car on the road. As a matter of fact, according to the uh, National Highway uh, Transportation Safety Board in 2005, Volvo was number nine. Number one, believe it or not, was the Crown Victoria, the Ford really? uh, Mercury Crown Victoria. But it doesn't matter because from mm-hmm. a branding and a marketing standpoint, Volvo's done such a good job positioning itself as the safe car that most of us have a belief system that it's the safest car out there. So we would say they, okay. they own the psychic real estate of safety. Interesting. All right. So, so would you recommend that people who are trying to brand themselves – try to purchase, well, you know, in, in terms of purchasing, some psychic real estate to fixate on Definitely. a word that they can thus own and associate with their brand? Definitely, because if you don't, I mean, if you don't consciously think about what psychic real estate you want to own, very often the real estate you end up with that you get assigned to by default, so to speak, is not the real estate you want. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, got it. This is pretty good. I'm actually taking notes because Byron is going to be so ticked that he missed out on this conversation. I know he's going to want to <laughs> tune back in later and, and listen to the archives. But, Mark, before, before I let you go, tell me a little bit more about uh, where people can, can find your website, if they can follow you on Twitter, where are you located online? Sure. They can go first to So What Book. That's S-O-W-H-A-T book.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you get to that website, you can download the first chapter of the book for free. Uh, you'll see a bunch of uh, free resources and some links to another website I have that has sample uh, so what positioning statements as well as how other people are using some of the concepts from this book. 
Got it. Okay. And uh, are, are you on Twitter? I am. I just got on Twitter. And as, as a matter of fact, uh, I am beginning to realize, like a lot of people, um, I, I was initially sort of skeptical about it, but I've been doing a number of interviews where people have been using Twitter to communicate while I'm doing the interview live. And I've, I've just been amazed uh, how broad the scope and reach of it has become in such a short period of time. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter kind of rules. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't understand, you know, I'm, when, I, when I first heard about Twitter, I just didn't really get the concept. But, I mean, months and months later, and I'm a, I'm a Twitter fanatic. So just know that I'm going to come follow you, like, right now. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to hear that. That means I'll have three. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I would encourage people to check out your website and to pick up a copy of So What? How to Communicate What Really Matters to Your Audience. Mark Magnaka, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Amanda. Best of luck to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, we will return next week with more Life Tips Radio. Sands Byron, uh, however, he will be checking in, so you never know when he might pop up. So until next week, everyone, have a great week, and I will see you soon.